Okay, Boker Tov, we uh, continue on Daf Tesvav Amadal. We're going through different aspects of uh, prohibitions for mourners and people of the like. So we just got done sh- saying that an Avel, a mourner, is forbidden from learning Torah, as Hashem told Yechezkel to be silent and not to learn any Torah. So now I want to know about the other two categories. Menuda. How about a person who's been excommunicated? Mahu b'divrei Torah. Can he be engaged in studying Torah? Amar of Yosef, Rav Yosef says, Toshma, come and hear from a b'risa that says, Menuda, someone who has been excommunicated, Shoneh, he may teach others, Vishonin law, and others may teach him. Okay? However, interestingly, you are not allowed, when a person is excommunicated, no Jew is allowed to be within eight feet of him. You have to stay away. What? Six or eight feet. Dalit Amos. From a distance. Listen, me and Stan, and we're not assuming you're a, a excommunicated. We are about eight feet from each other. He can hear everything I'm saying. So how is, where is he going to teach if he's excommunicated? That means he's... He can come at a distance. Let's say... No, no, no. What is he going to teach? Torah. Excommunicated guy is going to teach Torah? He knows Torah. Why Listen, just because a guy is sins doesn't excuse him from learning Torah. Maybe it will help him. You know, you've had, we had cases where uh, in the Gemara, Tanoim were excommunicated. Uh, who was that? Rebelias? Rebelias? Rebelias or whatever was excommunicated. He, he argued in Torah and he would not give in to the majority opinion. He felt he was right. He was excommunicated? Yeah. So it, it happens. It, it, throughout history, it happens. Okay. Just because a person is excommunicated doesn't absolve him from learning Torah. Right? We're told, you have to learn it day and night. Fine. So, uh, listen, you know, as Hashem said, Halavai, they leave me and, ho- and learn my Torah, the Torah will bring them back. Uh, but so it's just, no one isn't the contradiction to the other. Okay, for whatever reason, they banned you. Doesn't mean to say, okay, now that they banned me, I'm not a Jew. I don't learn Torah. Hopefully, he'll learn the Torah will make him repent. So he's got to get serious about it. But this happens. Okay. This happens. That people are, you know, can can be making mistakes, whatever. That that's just right. okay. okay. So so that's what the Brisa says. He can teach, and people can teach him. What else does the Brisa say? Niskar. He can be hired by others to work. Viniskar in law, and others may be hired to work for him. Okay, so that is a, that's a menuda. That's an excommunicated person. A muhram, this is a different person placed in cherem. It's a more severe form of excommunication. Okay, now what is this uh, deeper form? It's imposed after the sinner has incurred two 30-day excommunicated bans and some say three. In other words, the excommun- standard excommunication is 30 days. And usually he's gotta do tshuva. So the guy doesn't do tshuva after 30 days. So they put it on for extended. And then it's machlokas two or three times. But after two or three extensions, then he's put into a much stronger bam, a cherem, which is like he's an unrepentant excommunicatee. So that kind of person is even worse 
Lo shona velo shonen lo, he can't teach others and others can't teach him. Lo niska velo niska he can't be hired out and they can't hire out. But still in all, aval shona hula asma, but he still can learn by himself. Shalo yafsik es limodo. He should not interrupt his studies because he still has to learn, but now it's not with other people. No interaction with this fellow. And what else can he do? Obviously, he has to make a living. It's very interesting, even though he can't hire out people and he can't not be hired out because that still is interacting, uh, uh, your boss uh, and, and, and the workers. But, but he can make a small store for his livelihood. The question you'd ask is, who's going to give him business? So I guess the only answer is, Goyim. You have to, if you can't have any business with him, you can't interact with him, so what's he going to do? He'll have to you know, interact with the Goyim. Well, so usually the guy will, uh, you know, repent, you know, because if, if, yeah. it's, if it's followed by everybody, then it's, you never know. Communication's only for men, right? I don't know. It's a good question. Why should you be able to do it to a woman? Usually, women weren't so aggressive. <laughs> you know, men, it's more likelihood. Because today's the Talmud for sure. The men were the ones in business, the women generally not. Guy cheated. Look, who really is involved in machloikas? Men, not women. <laughs> women usually listen. <laughs> men are the problem makers, right? Or even in Torah issues, women wouldn't stick their nose in a Torah issue. So, it's just, I mean, I don't, I, I could theoretically be a woman, I guess, but. It usually aren't in the public purview like that. Now, and Ve'omarav, and Rav explains the last statement of the Braisa, that Zvuni Maya Bepak Sodarovos. He may sell waters in the market of Aravos. Aravos is the name of a town, according to Rashi. According to Rashi, somewhere else, it means in the valley. So Rav specifies is the, is the valley of Aravos. In either case, water was scarce. Aha. Uh-huh. And by performing the minimal activity of selling water, the sinner can eke out a living. And maybe that could even be for Jews if they read Mamish need water. If if they without water they could die, so he could be involved in helping with that. So therefore, Shmamino, that's the proof that indeed someone under a ban is entitled if a regular ban, you could teach and learn and learn from others and if it's under a strict brand you could still learn by yourself so in in other words the person under excommunication is allowed to learn okay the mourner not allowed to learn the excommunicated person may learn all right now mitzora what a person with tzoras can he learn torah toshma let's bring a brisa that answers that question the pasuk says in dvorim you shall make them known, meaning the Torah, to your children and your children's children. What should you make them known? The passage continues. The day you stood at Sinai. In other words, you have to remind everybody we got the Torah at Sinai. It's an important thing to remember. Your children, your grandchildren, has to be known to them with that. So, 
we so what was special about uh, Sinai and also it's it's connecting teach your children so there's an idea of teaching Torah and there's an idea of remembering Sinai and the two go together obviously because Hashem gave us the Torah at Sinai so what is the connection to always go back to mention Sinai beyond the obvious that from Sinai we were given the Torah but there's another point to make Malahalan just like by Sinai what was the attitude of the Jews when they were at the mountain when they stood at Sinai they were in dread and awe with trembling and fear okay so therefore just like then we were in lots of fear and, and reverence so too whenever we're teaching Torah in later generation has to be done like that okay so therefore it's got to be done right so therefore people who are not in that position are not able to learn Torah right so Mikan Omru so the bride says from here we see Hasovim Vamitzoroim Uboalemidos that people who are a Zav that's a person who has a, a, a condition where there's a flow of a, 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 a seminal discharge from the person not in the regular times and a Mitzorah and someone who has relations with a woman who's a Nida what are they allowed to do? Mutarim likros patara. They're permitted to read from the Torah, the Nevim and the Ksuvim. Felishnos bemidrash ubishas ubehelchas agadas. And they're allowed to study midrash, Talmud, halach, and agadic teaching. Now, these three types of people are tame, but their tumah was not proximately caused by acts of excessive frivolity. So they're allowed to study Torah. Or it's a guy's tame. Okay, his tame still doesn't mean he can't learn Torah. However, ubale caring, but a person who is uh, a balkari, a person who has had seminal emissions in a way that it shows that his mind is on that, that's different than a, uh, what do you call it, a zav. A zav, it's, what comes out of him is not exactly the same thing. It's more of a sickness where it's coming out of him. But here it's one who has seminal admissions or whichever and therefore that's not consistent with having awe and reverence for the Torah okay so we're going to see that that means it's okay now interestingly the Tana permitted Torah study who wanted relations with Anita and contracted Tumah from the Nida. so since the same Tana also writes about carry to study Torah we construe the former cases dealing with a person who immerse shortly after cohabiting with the Nida. And this way will at least remove the Tumah of Keri. Remember, if you're with a, a Nida, you also have Keri. So at least he has to have gone to make. In other words, the question is, how is a guy who has relations with a Nida, how is he different than a Baal Keri? No. <laughs> so you have to say he went to the mikvah. So, uh, so anyway, so people who are experiencing Tumahs that come from uh, a, fr- a frivolous behavior is not allowed. So therefore, Shmamina, but we hear from here, at least explicitly, that a Mitzorah is allowed to learn Torah. Again, these are all big chidushim. Because why is the guy a Mitzorah? Yeah. Well, he's done some negative behavior, but I guess it's not associated with frivolity. There's ideas of, of being uh, awestruck when you're learning Torah, and then there's ideas of being very frivolous. 
So I guess the rabbis are making distinctions. If yeah, I'm a mitzora, that means I've done some avera, but it not necessarily is from frivolity. Not everybody who talks lush and hara is a frivolous person. Could be he's upset that the guy is uh, taking away his business, and he's saying things out of being upset. He's not being frivolous. The guy gets saras because he's miserly. Okay, he's not being frivolous. But the Valkyrie is frivolous. Okay, so it comes out that they are allowed to learn Torah. So the Mitzorah and the person who's excommunicated can learn Torah, while the mourner cannot learn Torah. And again, the idea being the mourner has to be in a state of sadness and not happiness. Torah brings happiness to the person. So he's not allowed to do that. Okay. Who's going to make the decision for them? What decision for what? How? I'm allowed to or I'm not allowed to learn Torah now. The Gomorrah is telling us. Yeah, but who's going to make the decision? You are not allowed. He himself has to do it? Of course. I understand if a person is a mourner, he doesn't have to make the decision. How no, 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 a mourner, I'm talking about the cases here. So the Gomorrah Who's going to decide if he's good enough or not good enough to study Torah? The Gomorrah is telling us if the guy's a Mitzorah, he's allowed to Yeah, but who's going to make the decision himself? Oh, no, he... How does anybody do anything in life? You look in the Shulchan Aruch. The laws, right? The Shulchan Aruch. When, 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 okay, when the court puts him in ban, says you are now under rabbinic ban, this is what you are allowed to do, this is what you're not allowed to do. When someone's a mourner, how do you know what you're supposed to do? The rabbi goes over, goes over the laws, and says this is what you're allowed to do, this is what you're not allowed to do. So they put a guy under a ban, so they say, now that you're under a ban for 30 days, you may not do this and this and this and this, but you may learn Torah, you may do this, you may do that. That's what a person would know. He has to do it. He has to obey. Well, if he doesn't obey, okay, he's, right. he's being as, listen, you can't force people to follow Allah, but we have to know what the Allah is. Okay, now how about cleaning clothes? A mourner is forbidden to engage in laundering. For the first seven days, he's prepared to launder his clothing, even in cold water, and from day eight until day 30, he may not iron his woolen garments. We'll see how this applies nowadays, uh, but uh, this is a pretty standard halacha. Okay, now how do we know that a mourner cannot wash his clothes? Dixiv is a very interesting story. This is after the story of Amnon and Tamar. Okay. And remember, that's when Amnon seduced Tamar and then raped her. They were step-siblings. Then come along Afshalom, who was the full sister of Tamar, and killed Amnon. Okay, then, uh, so therefore, then David exiled Afshalom. He says, leave. Now, Yoav, who was David's commander-in-chief, wanted to reconcile David and Afshalom. So to that end, he enlisted a wise woman. He kind of tricks David from the city of Tekoa, directing her to appear before the king as a mourner and to draw a parallel between her story and Dovah's treatment of Avshalom. To lend credibility to the woman's tale, you have taught her how to be perceived as a mourner. In other words, the woman was not a mourner. And she comes to him, it's a whole story, it's a fake story, and asked Dovah to render a law on the fake story. And then, and then uh, came along, and then she said, well, if that's what is with me, so how come you can't reconcile yourself with your son? But the main point is, Yoav had to teach her how to behave like a mourner so it looked like a reliable story. So these are the instructions, and that's where some of the 
uh, halachas come from those instructions. We say, yo, says, listen, do me a favor. I want you to pretend you're a mourner. You lost your son, this and this, blah, blah, blah. And you'll draw out and you want King David's wisdom. And by him uh, ruling, she's going to then come back. So if that's the case by me, okay, so you have a son. You should reconcile. So what is he teaching her how to behave like a mourner? So it says, by Yishlach, Yoav Tekoa, so Yoav said to Tekoa, Vayikach Misham Ishachachamo, he found a very wise woman. Vayomerle said to her, Sablina, act like a mourner, which is, Veliv Shinov Migdeeva, wear clothes of a mourner, Val Tasochi Shemen, and do not anoint yourself with oil. And be like this, like a woman who's mourning for many days over a dead person. So what do you see from here? That a mourner's clothes are repugnant and soiled, from which we derive that a mourner is prohibited to launder his garments. In other words, you wear clothes that a mourner wears, and what is that? Soiled clothes. So therefore, if she's acting like a mourner and she's having soiled clothes, so therefore, that's the law that said you may not wear uh, laundered, uh, you may not launder clothes. So it's not a problem. You can wear clothes that have been laundered. So remember, in the days of your, how many shirts did you have already? One. One. And, and then you'd wash it often. But if you can't wash it for seven days, it's going to be soiled. Baruch Hashem. I assume everybody in this room has more than seven shirts. And uh, you don't, you can get by without having to wash them. What happened to Yoav when he got caught? <laughs> what do you mean? No, but David uh, eventually brought up Shalom back. Okay. So, so that shows you that. And again, I would imagine the washing the clothes shows you're a mourner. And again, that's a pretty um, lengthy activity. In those days, you had to go to the river, the river. and wash it, and that was a whole uh, activity. So you had to be focused on the morning, so that's why you couldn't do that. That would be one reason. And also, person feels great when they have a fresh, fresh shirt, isn't that? So it's not allowed. Yeah. So we're, we're using Yolov here, what he told her to do, as quote a source for how to act as a mourner. Because that's what well, Salah already determined. And he must have got it from somewhere. So why don't we just go to the to the root? To, to, that's right. Root that's of the source. Why are you going to Yolov? Because there is no root. Where did he come up with this? Thing? No, it was the again. Tradition. The whole idea of mourning is the rabbis were given the um, what do you call it? the jurisdiction to decide what are the proper behaviors of a mourner. Again, we have not yet got to the more is this a biblical mitzvah or rabbinic mitzvah to be a mourner? But let's assume it's biblical. So it's biblical, just like. Who decides what you can and can't do on Shabbos? Right? The rabbis. The rabbis are going to tell us this is the proper way of behaving on Shabbos. God doesn't give us everyone. So it's not written down anywhere. So we're trying to figure out... Why are we using Yoav as a source versus the rabbis you came up with? Because here it's a source where Yoav is behaving. In a, we're looking for some kind of. It's always better to have some kind of biblical or prophetic source than just bringing a brisa. Up to now, we've been bringing brises. Okay, that's fine. The brisa tells what the rabbis have decided. But if you can get one from the Torah, it's always a better source. 
So he got it from whatever, but that, that tells us that from thousands of years ago already, this was the way Jews mourned. It's no different than I bring a brysa. So, so a rabbi in the, uh, in, the, in the year 300 said, this is the rule. So who's that? It's a rabbi. So Yoav is just saying, this is the way we've been behaving. So it's an earlier source showing that even hundreds and hundreds of years before that, I mean, you're talking a, a thousand years earlier, that Jews from already a thousand years ago, we know did that. Yoav wasn't making that halacha. He was just saying that, that was the <coughs> contemporary halacha at that time. So it's even an earlier source. So we always like to get an earlier. You know, because there, there is no source so besides what the rabbis have said. It's, it's up to the discretion of the rabbis. The rabbis say, what is the type of behavior that's conducive for a mourner? What's the type of behavior that's conducive for a person excommunicated or a mitzara? So if you have a brysa, okay, that's fine. If you can do better than that, why not get a source that's earlier? So better is always earlier. Like, yeah, if, if you see that this was the way Jews behaved from the times of the earlier times, so it's a, it's a much more explicit source uh, that people lived that way so much before we were ever around. We have some source we do the other day was with Mordechai, I can't remember, with um, Aaron with his son, they said, don't cut your hair. That's Hashem told him. Right, so we have biblical sources. So that's what Hashem telling. Yes. But if we see a biblical source, people behaving this way, obviously there was someone who told them. But that could be rabbinic. Yeah, wherever you can get Hashem saying it, that's the best. But if you don't have that, in other words, the rabbis said, listen, we have this idea of mourning. Okay, now how are they going to behave that the mourning is accomplishing the goal of what it's meant to have? Hashem didn't give us all the guidance. So if he didn't give us the guidance, it means he left it to us to make that decision. So that's how we're going. So and if, if you happen to find a, a, a source from the prophets, the people behave that way, that means there were rabbis who said this is the way to behave. Okay, now we lump together. Minutin and Mitzurah. Until now, we've always been separating them. Here we put them together. How about an excommunicated person or a Mitzurah? Mahen v'tachposos. Can they wash their clothes? Toshma will bring you a price that says, Menudim u'mitzurayim. These two people, Asurim l'sapir, are prohibited to cut their hair. U'lechabes, and to launder their clothing. Shmamino, that's a proof that they cannot launder their clothing. Okay, next thing that a mourner does is rips their garment to express their grief. So Gemara now just says, Avel chayev bekriya. Okay, a mourner is obliged to rip his garment. Here it is. Here we learn from Hashem told Aaron after his two sons died. He said, you are going to not be like a regular mourner. Do not cut your clothes. Okay? And this would have been certainly a public display of mourning. So he says, you can't do it. We hear from here that everybody else is obliged to do that. How about Menuda? What about a person who's been excommunicated? Should he have to rip his garments? Take we don't have an answer to that question. Mitzora, what about a Mitzora? Does he have to rip his garments? Toshma, we'll learn in a Bryson that says, Begodav, his garments, the Torah says, 
Yiyu Furumim shall be Furumim. What does Furumim mean? Shiyaho Karuim, they should be ripped. Shmamina, we hear from this, that we ripped the garments. Okay, now it's interesting, although the Mitzvah's law was never in doubt since it's expressly stated by both the verse and the Brisa, the Gemara nevertheless desires an expansive discussion. In other words, you want to keep the style of everything that's going on. I mean, any, which rabbi didn't know that Pasuk? But you just want to make it inclusive for everything as well. Okay, the next topic we'll see tomorrow is, which we do not do, the mourners would overturn their bed. The legs would be up, and uh, we'll see why they did that and why we don't do that today. This is exactly where we are with Mordecai. <laughs> Perfect, it's dovetailing. Amazing. Amazing.